Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The only thing less convincing than Alvaro Morales finishing is his fucking haircut. I mean, is that a short back and sides or not, pal? <laughs> Fucking finish the job. <laughs> this is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. Coleman, a little dink into the middle. Oh, what about that? What about that? As soon as I'm obviously on the pitch, I'm just, um, you know, at my happiest. Yeah, I never win something for Portugal national team, but I win tonight. <laughs> he can't take it, can he? He can't take it, he just can't take it because we've out tacticed him, we've outwitted him. I'm so glad. Something uh, unbelievable uh, in my career, uh, something that I, that I deserve. You're playing international football. You're playing international football. Control the bloody ball. Pass it and move to your mates. And if you lose it, run back. And run back like you care. I've got a problem, Liam. I've got a big fucking problem. I drew England in the sweepstakes at work, and I thought, grand problem solved. <laughs> this is perfect because England will probably win this fucking thing. Um, and to be honest, I thought, I thought there was no way that I couldn't support England anyway, given how much that I'm obsessed with Jack Grealish. And how much I'm rooting for him. Like, there's no way I could watch Jack Grealish play in any team and root against him no matter how much I want to. And on top of that, I just thought that we as a country in Ireland, we were ready. We were ready for it. Like, not just ready for England to be good, because this is different now. It was always funny watching the hype train build around England over the last 30 years, knowing that it was never going to happen. But now he's got one of the best squads in the game. But also just thought we were ready. We were, we were over it. We were ready to to maybe just put aside the 800 years and think, well, you know what? We all watch football in England. You know, Would it really be that bad if they did win? We knew a lot of mates from England as well. Turns out I was wrong. Yeah, got a lot of people texting me saying, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> when I was saying, let's go England. 
Um, it turns out I was really wrong, and I was sort of defending myself and getting a bit defensive about it. They were probably enjoying winding me up then. But then, you know what? I watched that fucking game against Croatia, and okay, Jack Reilly's didn't play, so it made it a lot easier. But the pundits, they don't help, and I thought they wouldn't be a factor this time because England have a good team. But they, they just can't help themselves, like, you know, being so biased. And, like, honestly, if any England fan ever wants to know, why does everybody hate us? It's just because the it's a whitewash of punditry of everybody just rolling in behind and cheerleading, basically. Like, honestly, it would do them the biggest favour in the world if one pundit, I mean one pundit, just said, you know, that that, that wasn't great. But you don't even get that. Like, you never get that. You don't get anything close to that. And I find myself then just, come on, like, you know, just roaring on Croatia to get an equaliser. That wasn't going to work. Croatia was shite. But, um, so the problem is now I'm stuck with England and my sweepstakes. <laughs> I, I thought it would be easier to roll in behind them, but I don't know if I can. Sure, look, the fact that you hate them, at least you'll have the comfort of when you do win it, you get 80 quid or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. There, there is... There is a really odd dynamic with your typical Irish football fan, like a lovely bit of cognitive dissonance that allows us to support and love teams in the Premier League, but simultaneously absolutely love to hate the national team. <laughs> and like most Irish people absolutely revel in seeing England lose football matches. And you touched on a few of them there. There are a lot of things that feed into that, and chief <laughs> among them, obviously, is England's imperial past and occupation of the island. <laughs> yeah. but that's all water under the bridge as far as I'm concerned, Conan. What's an 800-year struggle among friends? I can forgive a bit of subjugation. But what I can't forgive is having to listen to your pals, journals, media, ex-players, planning the fucking route of the victory parade for England teams with Heskey as a guaranteed starter. <laughs> Paul Scholes shunted out to the left wing. Trevor Sinclair, Danny Mills, Darius Vassell starting real-life football games in international <laughs> tournaments. Fucking Sven Jorn Eriksson was so turned on by Beckham's ball-striking ability that he allowed the only genuinely competitive team on paper resort to giving the ball to Beckham to hit 70-yard passes in the general direction of Michael Owen. <laughs> like, this, this team has put out Rooney and Eric Dyer in midfield and been managed by Roy Hodgson. Like, cheerleading, unbridled, unfounded hope is for the fans. Your, your pals were being paid to analyse. To talk about football, not their fucking dreams. I mean, talk about English football being left behind. Talk about the need for systemic change. Do your job. Yeah. Help your country out. Force action. Stop talking about 4-4-2. Little and large up top. Football coming home. You're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> and you're pissing me off. Yeah. Most importantly, you're pissing me <laughs> off. Like, if, if, if your pals in the media had done their job, we could have all been treated to Grealish, Foden... Trent Alexander-Arnold, Mason Mount, Jude Bellingham a lot sooner. And I'd be able to get behind this team. Right. First off, can you stop calling them my pals? You're, you're, you're all in it together. <laughs> Second off, it's like, it's not even my pals. It's actually above that as well. It's it's boys who who are ex-pros in the game, right? And this is, this is where I'm so confused. Do you know when... <laughs> I like no, I don't want to shit to my pals, right? But do you know when journalists <laughs> <laughs> Do you know when journalists like you can tell that they're in the pockets of clubs and in this case now countries? 
you can understand it, right? Because they're they're trying to keep in with maybe a manager, maybe a player, maybe a coach. You know, it doesn't it doesn't serve them for some of them to just come out and slight everything and even critically analyze things. You know, sometimes it serves them to just push forward the club or the manager or the country's point of view or their story. Um, because then they get they get more and more exclusives, and that's depressing. But like I can understand where these people are coming from. But Rio Ferdinand doesn't rely on that. Like that's not what he's there for. Like that that's not why he has a job now. And also, I can imagine these journalists being shot on by agents straight away if they said anything. You know that the top journalists if they came out and so much as gave a whiff of. <laughs> of being unimpressed by a player, I'd say the agent would be straight on to him. They would never get an interview again. The club wouldn't be happy. Like that, that can fuck over a journalist. And how would that fuck over Rio Ferdinand if he just says, "Yeah, like you know, it was good first ten minutes." <laughs> you know, like Alan Shearer, he's not relying on an agent saying, "I'm not going to let you talk to to young Jude Bellingham again if you say that." Frank Lampard, this was the BBC lineup. And at half time, I thought, okay, this will be interesting because Croatia are crying out to be hammered. It's still nil nil. Grealish is still on the bench, and the first the first thing we got was Alan Shearer saying, "Very impressed." Like honestly, like I know now after the fact, this sounds a bit like sorry, grapes is the wrong term, but it's, it sounds like I'm I'm trying to poop the party that, that they've already celebrated, but. You know, at halftime that game, it was far from being impressive. But this this was what you were fed in the English media. And then straight away, like after 45 minutes of England's tournament, I'm there going, ah, here we here we go again. They, even now when they have a good team, they're, they're still over the top about it. Like this, this is now the very reason. They have those players that you've mentioned. Like, you know, we've all managed to do our jobs maybe five years too late. They have those players now. They're on the pitch. They're on the bench. The best of them are on the bench. We'll get to that. <laughs> but um, they're there. They have a team that's ready to go. And they need to look at that and think, well, you know, if we are serious about winning a Euros, I don't understand how they could have seen those shitbag teams you mentioned, Dyer and Rooney. Like, that That was that was the midfield. I think Lingard was in that midfield as well that they got put out against Iceland. Like, that was their, their midfield in the last Euros. And the fact that, that those teams were the ones that were, were hyped up to the 90s, they were the ones that were going to win the tournament. Now they have a team that should be actually looking to win a tournament and they're getting nothing but fluff from everybody when they should be th- saying, yeah, like Croatia aren't at the races. That wasn't good enough. That's a little bit worrying. Or maybe if they don't want to go that far, just here's how they can improve. What about that? Well, they, they don't have anything to add to that conversation. They wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, you're saying you're saying Rio Ferdinand and Alan Shear. You know, they shouldn't be worried about agents getting on their back or you know not getting fed stories. They're ex pros. They don't need that. But they're also not there because they know what they're talking about. Yeah, they're there because they were brilliant footballers, and brilliant footballers sometimes don't understand why they're brilliant. They just can do things with the football. They can read the play while they're there, but they can't explain it to you all afterwards. I mean, Gary Neville wanted England, this England team that is dripping with talent, to set up for this Croatia team. Like He wanted them to accept their fate, accept that they would be dominated by Croatia. He couldn't even remember Croatia's midfielders. <laughs> he was using Perisic, Inter Milan's impact sub-winger, as the example of how good they are on the yeah. ball. Like Neville's ploy for the fact that Croatia could pass the ball 
was to flood his team with players who can't. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why I'm so surprised. <laughs> Is there any fucking wonder when he was involved with England, they were destroyed by Pirlo in Italy at the Euros, knocked out in the group stage of the World Cup, and then dumped out by Iceland in the, in the next Euros. And this is a nutcase that was involved in playing Wayne Rooney in centre midfield in international tournaments. Like he actively promoted this during his analysis of Man United games. Wayne Rooney will end up there. End up there. End up in the most important, most specialised position on the pitch. His legs will give way. He'll stop playing on impulse, stop playing high octane, helter-skelter football from the front three and just start dictating games. It'll be easy. Look, he can hit the ball far. Like, that means he has a great range of passing. There's a big difference between being able to hit the ball 70 yards and knowing when to. Like, what's what's the lesson here, Conan? Just because someone isn't afraid of the camera, just because someone can speak in public, it doesn't mean you should fucking listen to them. <laughs> Wayne Rooney, by the way, still, still to this day, younger than Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> um... Yeah, like uh, we'll we'll touch a bit on Neville here actually before we get in. We're gonna have a whole a whole show of awards. How does that sound for everybody? Um, like it, it does show the power of that seat that he's in and the position that he's in. Like how how quickly he can rally millions of people behind him to to say that he actually has a point. Listen to his point. You know, if Harry Maguire isn't there, that is a big loss because the next man down is Tyrone Mings. <laughs> you know, this was Gary Neville's point. Harry Maguire is England's biggest loss, right? Like that—that's that's bollocks on so many levels. Because like number one, it's Harry Maguire. Number two, the drop off from Harry Maguire to Tyrone Mings is not what Gary fucking Neville thinks it is. And number three, they're in a group with Scotland, Czech Republic, and Croatia. Imagine <laughs> Harry Maguire was missing. <laughs> Tyrone Mings had a good game there the last. He had nothing to do. He did everything well. He did everything right. But the, you mentioned Perisic. He had one of Croatia's two shots, which like well, I don't know if it was two shots, but like two chances that anybody remembers. Bouncing balls breaking out to the edge of the box, and they should have done better with them. But they were just breaks in the box. Did, Croatia didn't have anything. They didn't offer anything. Didn't give England any questions to answer. And yeah, you're right. Neville not only was talking about Maguire would be their biggest loss because they couldn't possibly play four at the back if they didn't have fucking Harry Maguire, right? And like, also why that's bollocks as well is because of like obviously how good England are outside of that, that that position. Like, you know, so why the hell would you would you load it with another player, especially if Harry Maguire is missing? You're you're then bringing in your third and fourth choice centre backs. But he also said that. The Trent Alexander-Arnold couldn't possibly play against that Croatia team as well. It's not a game. Like, you know, he wasn't writing Trent Alexander off, you know, for the whole tournament. But <laughs> not against Croatia. Not against Perisic. Jack Grealish couldn't play against Croatia. They won't have the ball. And Carragher was the one made out by probably the majority that night as the one who just doesn't understand football. <laughs> you know, Gary Neville, Gary Neville is thinking about it like Southgate is thinking about it. But like this is the like, Gary Neville for some reason has disappeared up Gareth Southgate's arse. Like, I I don't understand what has happened here. Like he tr- he says he trusts Gareth Southgate more than any other manager to to win a tournament. Like, that that is just insane stuff. I mean the idea that you think the best way to control a team who are good at passing the ball is to let them pass the ball is just 
nonsense. Get the fucking ball, Gary. Keep it yourself. It's the whole point of football. Well, like, why do you want to be? Why do you want to be involved in the game? Is it so you can set up disciplined teams? England's most important player is Harry Maguire. This is analysis that you have to pay to get. <laughs> this is England's highest paid pundit, Gary Neville. I think when he said that, he thought he was covering himself, hand on his chest. He, he, like, he knows as he says, well, Harry Kane's the best player, but oh, yeah. go on. <laughs> Harry Maguire is the most important player. What are you talking about? <laughs> You're right, people bought it. You see... You see it being regurgitated mostly by desperate Man United fans. Yeah. Because it sounded plausible and Neville is eloquently. But think about what you're saying. You would pick a team with Maguire and Calvert-Lewin rather than Mings and Harry fucking Kane. <laughs> Are you mental? <laughs> like, that's what you're saying. Like that, let, Let's be honest here. Har- Harry Maguire is fine. He's fine if the ball is in the air or if the ball is in front of him. And he has his mates around him when the pitch has become condensed. Mm. But Van Dyke, Diaz, Ramos, Ferran, Chiellini, Kansa. What, what makes these boys different from Maguire? They're not manufactured by Smeg or LG or Bosch and available in the kitchen section of your local curries for two grand. <laughs> two and a half if you want the built-in ice dispenser. <laughs> like these boys can turn. They can react. They can move their fucking feet. <laughs> The poor fridge. Like, yeah, yeah, regurgitated by Man United fans. Like, also the same fans who were regurgitating the stat that, that Harry Maguire had the most blocks, most interceptions, most headers, most tackles. For Man United, he had more <laughs> blocks, interceptions, tackles than Lindelof. He played every minute. Like, that's a stat that, that's impressive. But he should be fucking having the most of those. Who else would have more? If, if Harry Maguire didn't have the most of all those stats... He has had a stinker of a season. <laughs> if your centre back isn't getting the most blocks, then Christ <laughs> Almighty! Anyway, welcome to the Euros podcast. <laughs> 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 Going to be a lot of England talk, and there's more coming up. Mike Ashley has turned Newcastle into a discount sports company and appointed a discounted bargain basket manager. Glenn Roder, Kenny Dogalish, Sam Allardyce, and Steve Bruce. <laughs> what a fucking parade of cavemen. Like, that is the only reason Andy Carroll is a professional footballer. Only Steve Bruce and Neil Warnock have got promoted more times than Mick McCarthy. That's not even a good stat because the good managers kept their teams up <laughs> and then progressed their careers. <laughs> Dean Smith will never get another team promoted from the championship because he won't be there. Brendan Rodgers won't get another team promoted from the championship because he won't be there. Pep Guardiola once again reveals himself to be a cunt. Do me a fucking favour, as if Jack Grealish needs to go play under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to progress his career. <laughs> that is absolutely a step backwards. Put this on record, United won't be within 10 points of the title. 
I, I genuinely believe that, and I'm not even trying to exaggerate, it's not hyperbole. Three, four games of, of bad run, United are out of the title race, like that, and that will happen to them, that will definitely happen. What gets Sean Dyche out of bed in the morning? <laughs> like, how does he do it? Imagine how exciting a job that would be. Imagine coming home and saying to your partner, I got a new job! I'm a football manager! And then going out and doing that with it? What a waste of time! Steve Bruce is a graying pair of your socks in the basket by the checkout that nobody wants. So the Vyman meter has taken the summer off. Don't worry, Andy Vyman will be back. It's replaced by a new meter. Gareth Southgate, the whole of England is with you meter. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's going to be an up or down meter. I think we should we should have it as before the penalty and after the penalty meter. <laughs> so basically in Euro 96 before Southgate. I don't want to laugh at him. That's obviously a horrible moment. But before he, uh, he hit that penalty, that was the commentary. Gareth Southgate, the whole of England is with you. And then he missed the penalty, England went out to Germany, and then obviously he's a scapegoat for that tournament. So we can probably decide along the way whether or not this is before the penalty or after the penalty. Or look, let's just do up and down to keep it clean, will we? No, let's do left and right. We don't want to get any Feynman meter fans to be confused. Yeah, right. No. <laughs> um, so first up, they've only played one game, obviously. Kieran Trippier at left back. Uh, you know... I don't even know where to start with this one. It's it's actually it's so layered. It's impressive. Do there, me to start a, for you? <laughs> <laughs> there's a narrative going around, right? That Kieran Trippier was playing left back. You know, again, winning and win. Everyone's so quick to give Southgate praise. Like, Southgate gets more praise for things he doesn't do than Mason Mount. And, <laughs> and look, let's be clear. That's not a criticism of Mason Mount or Southgate. It's just fascinating how quickly people will jump to give somebody praise for something they they haven't done like i heard mason mount getting praise for for being faster than modridge basically the last day he's like yeah like that's not something that mount will take will take credit (laughs) for anyway uh great decision play kieran trippier left back because he's worried about tyrone mings all the more reason to play a fucking left back if you really are worried about tyrone mings like you know, he has a choice there between picking the PFA, the PFA team of the year left back, Manchester United's Luke Shaw, the best left back in the Premier League last season, or Champions League winning left back, Ben Chilwell. But instead, he goes for his fourth choice right back and puts him over on the left because he's worried about Tyrone Mings. Again, we can get into, we don't need to, we can get into why does he really need to be that worried about Tyrone Mings, especially against Croatia. Um, but what does Kieran Trippier give you? That the other two lads, they're better left backs, and the the line that Southgate reeled out, and nobody challenged him on it. Like because who would who would challenge him on it? He said, Kieran Trippier has tournament know-how. I don't even know what that means. Like it's a competitive match. Like Kieran Trippier having experience in the World Cup three years ago doesn't make him a better left back than Luke Shaw. Like just tell Luke Shaw what do you want to do? Do you want to keep a clean sheet? Great, yeah, I'll, I'll try and do that. <laughs> you don't need tournament know-how for a competitive match over 90 minutes at left-back. I like, Yeah, the, the, he's definitely 
This this was definitely a bad one. Yeah, th- this thing that you hear commentators and analysts say, analysts to use the loosest form of the word, he trusts him. Trusts him to do what? Bring him his coffee in the fucking morning? <laughs> Wipe his arse for him? Because he's putting them inexplicably into the team? Does he owe him something or something? Do you know who else he can trust to play left back? His left backs? Yep. Man United's player of the year. The lad in the team of the year, like he said. Do you know who else has good big game experience? Your other left back. <laughs> the lad who just won the Champions League final there a fortnight ago. You're probably watching it, Gareth. It was on the telly. <laughs> Unbelievable. And he, he's, the, he's the lad who was playing left back. You picked him. He's in your squad. You know yeah. who he is. Like, I know it'll be hard for these inexperienced young lads to muscle their way past your fourth choice right back. But throw caution to the wind, Gareth. Cut loose. Play a left back, pal. Jesus Christ, it was an absolutely baffling decision. And again, your pals just let go on challenge. <laughs> and just, it's it's not like, you know, again, it's not like Trippier is, you know, Mr. England over the last 10 years. Like that idea that you could trust him or he has tournament know-how. Like this was his 29th cap. He's relatively inexperienced as well. And you mentioned like those boys have enough experience, enough big game time under their belts. And enough time at fucking left back, which Kieran Trippier doesn't have. Calvin Phillips, good decision. There we go. See, we're not going to be critical all the time, but we will critically analyse. Calvin Phillips, uh, I think it probably raised a lot of questions to start off with. Two holding midfielders was was one of the things that people were were uh, were calling him on. But Calvin Phillips was, yeah, I'd say he was their best player. And he, he got forward. He, he broke forward. He got the assist. He... Uh, he looked dynamic. He fouled at the right time. He was sort of actually everything you want Douglas Louise to be, but um, he just hasn't been in a long time. Um, Calvin Phillips was a was a good shout from Southgate and one that people would have been ready to to slag him for. Me and you probably especially. Yeah, like Calvin, he played Calvin Phillips and what where you would expect him to have played Jordan Henderson. That's the role that he wanted him to to fulfil. It's not like Douglas Louise. Douglas Lu- Declan Rice is how you want Douglas Louise to play most of the time. I would actually like to see Douglas Louise shifted out to the right of somebody who actually does sit and hold. Oh yeah, that's what I mean. To play. Yeah, and but Cal, but Calvin Phillips was, yeah, he was very good. Yeah, and he he did well for a lot of the goals. Or sorry, for the goal, unbelievable from Croatia. This really, really good Croatian midfield can't just track a guy running straight through the middle of the pitch. Yeah, like to just let Sterling go was just was baffling and. Calvin Phillips did all he could there. He picked him out, played the pass at the right time. He gave Sterling another one in the first half as well, I think it was, with a little flick around the corner, and he had that volley. He played He played well. He's a good player. He's good on the ball, and he gets around the pitch, breaks it up a bit like Kante, just nowhere near that level. Yeah. Sterling did his very best to miss that chance as well. Like Unbelievable. Fuck, what was he waiting on? Like It was like he wanted to get blocked down, or like he just believed he was going to get blocked down, but he... He waited and waited and waited and then hit it towards the tackle. I actually can't believe that he wasn't blocked down. Hit it towards the sliding foot of the defender and then hit it right towards the keeper who balls it up. And like, you know, good bit of moving from Sterling. Like that's what he was doing. That was, that was the best thing he was doing all day. He was he was sharp moving in behind because because Harry Kane wasn't. But um yeah, fucking hell, he did his best to miss. But look, look, he scored. He scored. Um and like we suppose we can touch on Sterling here, like the the no Grealish decision. I want this to be clear. This, this isn't a. 
Do you remember when you and I had said five years ago that Jack Grealish should be an England team? Like this is when he left the Ireland camp and, and Irish people, and for obviously they're, they're they're stung by it. Like and at the time, you know Grealish was a, a Villa team that were going downward fast. He was young. He was you know, getting caught and off the field things. Like you know maybe it looked like he wouldn't be the the top level. So it was easy for people to say he's not going to make it in England. And people who watch Villa every week were like, well. You know, if you actually watch them, like he, he's probably actually good enough for England right now. Again, let's go back to that point that he made at the start. Like this is an England team at the time that had Wayne Rooney in midfield, that had Deli Alley in midfield, that had Daniel Sturridge starting. You know, like that 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 was that was England five years ago, and, and Grealish, I think, was definitely at that level, or at the very least, you could tell that he was going to be good enough for fucking England. Um. So like it's it's not like it's not like the the Grealish is just pushed because because Villa fans love him and I, I do see that as well online like you know when he's not starting it's easy for people to say oh Villa fans going mad I I don't think that's the case anymore it's 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 football fans that are going mad everyone knows that that Grealish is England's best player like and this this isn't a this isn't even a criticism of take your pick Sterling Mount even Phil Foden Jack Grealish could come in for any of those three. And it's 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 not a criticism of any of them. It's it's just a case of playing their best player. And like all that game was crying out for the entire match. That's why the fans started singing Grealish's name. It was crying out for somebody to start going at the Croatia defenders, starting to draw tackles, maybe taking a pass to tackle, freeing up all their players, setting up chances. They had nothing apart from apart from the one time that, that the Croatia defense just parted the Red Sea. And that Sterling just dander through, like you know. So the idea that he didn't even didn't even play, like I, I, when when I was telling you that I I want the Croatia to get back into the game, like this will show you. I I started hoping that he wouldn't bring Grealish on then because I knew when it, it well I thought it would, it would be when I knew if he brought him on, that was it. It was game over. It would definitely be two or three nil. Like you know the 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 pitch will tilt in England's favour, like we always say it does when Grealish plays on any team. That's what happens. You start playing downhill, the other team starts playing uphill. You get less of the ball, you get you get panicked, you get worried, you get suffocated, you get Grealished. You know, and I can't believe they didn't reach to bring him on to kill that game off. Instead, he just brought off brought off Harry Kane for a midfielder and Bellingham actually did quite well when he was on, but you know, he was just there to break up the play then in the end, and he just brought on a another defensive-minded player and, and put, put Rashford up top on his own instead of just seeing the game out. I thought I thought not bringing Grealish on would, would make them pay for having Pickford and Nets. Like that, that was the, <laughs> the vision that I saw. Yeah, and whenever we were saying Grealish is good enough five years ago, that wasn't jaundiced Villa bias. I mean, we were only saying it about one player. We yeah. were only promoting one player. We weren't saying Albert Adoma was going to make it, that he should be playing Champions League football. <laughs> you know, we weren't saying Nathan Baker for England. <laughs> we were saying Jack Grealish is good enough. And like, I'm beginning to question whether or not Gareth Southgate has ever been kind enough to himself to watch Jack Grealish. I mean, <laughs> God knows I've seen the camera pan to him often enough in the stands at Villa Park. <laughs> and he's bloody picked him as well. But has anyone checked that it's him in the stands? And in the dugout... Like, I've never seen him live, so I'm not sure. Like it could be stock footage. Has, has anyone yanked at the top of his head just to make sure it's not an elaborate <laughs> Scooby Doo mask with Remy Guard underneath? Old man guard. He would have got away with it too if it wasn't for us meddling villa fans. 
And look, it doesn't take a genius to see how good Jack Grealish is, to see that he's capable of doing things that are only in the ambit of a select few players. Jack Grealish's ability on the ball is second to none. And that's that's because of the options he has, because of the disparate array of footballing talents that he holds. Like Nobody should be able to dribble, pass, shoot, cross, and to flawlessly make decisions about when to do each of them, which is the key, the way Jack Grealish can. It's not fair. Nobody, nobody should hold that much power. <laughs> and it shouldn't be wasted by a mug like Southgate. Jack Grealish is an explanation for why people love football. It's not just his his elegance, his grace, the beauty of his ability, the shock and awe of a through ball that nobody else can see because it just wasn't on for a normal human. Yeah, It's his character on the pitch as well, his bravery and his courage to get the ball again and again. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about bravery of knowing that he's going to get clattered over and over again. It's it's the mental side, the pressure, the courage to try things over and over, to lead your team, to take responsibility, and to to know that certainly in the last three years, if you don't produce, your team won't win. And it's not just a team he's playing for, it's his team. The club he loves. Yeah. And it's He's been responsible for the whole club's fortunes for the last three years, and he delivers every single game. The, the man's character is unbelievable. Jack Grealish got punched in the back of the head by a scumbag that ran onto the field from the stands. <laughs> Think about that. Yeah. What did Jack Grealish do? He got up and scored the fucking winner. He, he thought he was going to Spurs when Villa looked like they were going bankrupt. Um, and look like they're going, to, going into liquidation, and they had missed out on the, the playoff final. And you know, he just he just got on with it and got them promoted the next year. You know, he Dude. thought he thought well, there was an offer then come in for him after the the year he stayed up. Then after the first year in Premier League, an offer came in for him, and he was aware of that, and he stayed on again, and he just continued to produce. And you're right to mention the bravery. Like that's the first thing that, that Roy Keane picked out. Probably the first game he watched Jack Grealish in because he wasn't fucking <laughs> he wasn't watching him for Ireland on the Raids teams anyway. <laughs> um, it, when uh, won those friendly games that Grealish was playing and winning man of the match like he does for England, and Keane was like so impressed. He compared him to Ronaldo, like just just the bravery to take the ball and, and, and under tight areas and like because Keane Keane loves that. That's obviously what he was really good at and like that, that's that's what Grealish does and like again. Uh, there's this narrative that you know because Sterling scored that the Southgate is vindicated. Like you know, Southgate won won the match. That's fine. That's all they need to do the whole way through. But I'm just saying it would be easier for him to win the match. Sterling might even play better if you want to throw Grealish in there with him. You know, like like so many more opportunities will open up. He'll definitely play, and and once he does play, it'll just make it even more weird. <laughs> they didn't even play a minute against Croatia, and he's genuinely their best player. He's, he's if if you can't say that he's their best player, I don't know why you wouldn't be able to say that. You can't argue that he's their most lethal player. He's their most dangerous player, and he's the one that opposition teams don't want to see. And Southgate apparently doesn't want to see him either. So, <laughs> so we'll keep an eye on that, especially on Friday night. Getting to our first award. The Jordi Cruyff Arena per commentary award. <laughs> so, so obviously, our English listeners don't have the 
don't have the the blessing of watching RTE, the, the Irish national broadcaster, but um, a number of occasions, not once, not twice, a number of occasions, the Johan Cruyff Arena was referred to as the Jordi Cruyff <laughs> Arena during the Netherlands-Ukraine match. Like, crazy stuff. Anyway, I'll just go through your three nominations. Uh, the Per Commentary Award. So... <sighs> The, the BBC commentary for Schick's goal for Czech Republic against Scotland, like, not not one of them seemed to want to give a bit of credit to what we had just seen. Some, somebody, somebody bending the most delicious banana kick into the air just under the crossbar, just ahead of the goalkeeper from 49.7 yards out. And, like, I know Craig Marshall fucked that up. Like, I know he was far too far out. But, that's that doesn't take away from the genius of somebody punishing it in the only way possible that he could, and the only way that he could have done that was a piece of magic. Like that's what he did. So yes, Craig Marshall was stupid, but fucking watch what you're seeing. Like it remind like there was a goal in the League of Ireland there. Um, Bose, this is a few months ago. Bohemian scored against Derry City. Somebody whipped one in from the halfway line as well, and the commentator was just saying, "Oh, it's two 0 Bohemians." <laughs> <laughs> this could be an iconic moment if he just nailed it right. Imagine, imagine Solskjaer puts that goal in in '99, and somebody says he's got it. It's two one United. <laughs> it doesn't stand the test of time. The moment does, but the footage doesn't. It's never going to be replayed ever again. And in the build up to it, David Beckham's about to take the corner. <laughs> As opposed to the iconic, will they score? They always score. <laughs> this was the goal of the tournament. And like, it will be the goal of the tournament. And it was against one of the, the home nations that the BBC are showing. And <laughs> just, like, just got nothing from it. Poor, poor commentary. Yeah, it was, it was dreadful. <laughs> it was an absolute screamer. I don't know how you couldn't get excited for it. Never mind not being able to think of clever words just do an old Gary Neville goalgasm or something you know you've just <laughs> seen someone score from the halfway line it's incredible back to so we've got two now for RT Cristiano Ronaldo's obviously just broken a record um legend status confirmed <laughs> again but in this in this specific competition uh but the second goal was fucking unbelievable talk about the shit goal like this was just Imagine Arsenal scored this. It was brilliant. Like, you know, a 1-2-3-4 from Ronaldo getting it back twice and then taking it round the keeper and putting it in. And, uh, you know, the commentary wasn't terrible. But again, I just think it's somebody not not engrossed in a match. Like, that shit goal. I stood up at my desk, you know, watching the TV. Just got lost in the moment. And I'm, I'm so far away from it. miles away. <laughs> um, th- this one was just like, what a finish. What a goal. Nice way to round it off. Like Cristiano Ronaldo just played a one, two, three, four. Cristiano Ronaldo has scored again. Like the stories are all there for you. Portugal three 0 Like you know they're, they're ready to to challenge for this this tournament yet again. But just like what a way to round it off. Yeah, it was, it was baffling stuff. It's like Christ Almighty, lad, come on! It was an absolute screamer of a goal in <laughs> in what has been a terrible game. If that if that even that doesn't doesn't work to build up your 
your desire to, to see a bit of football, then I don't I don't know what will. Like maybe just stop commentating on games. It's not for you. You're not enjoying it anymore. Just just get involved. Just let yourself go. Fine. <laughs> um, I don't mean P forty five. Let yourself go. Although <laughs> maybe I should just just get lost in the moment. Last one. This is probably the worst one. It's not commentary, but it's a, it's a piece of broadcast. Damien Duff. Everybody knows Damien Duff, but it's on RTE again. Um, he's talking about Scotland against England. Free hit. You know, it can be an outright war for them. And then he just has another dig at the FAA. I would definitely make a motivational video as well. Um, this is this is very annoying. So again, I'll have to explain this one. Um, there was a lot of shit after Ireland played England. They lost 3-0 few months ago in a friendly the Ireland national team played a motivational video and you know somebody somebody obviously had leaked something in the FAI to a newspaper in England and then they were debating the content of this video like you know whether it was anti-English and you know I don't know was it war glorifying and stuff like that but um you know the story got out and then it was published in English papers as if to say this is what the Irish are doing when they're coming to play us. Didn't look good. The FAI uh, put out a statement saying that they're going to be investigating this as a matter of urgency. Um, real petty, stupid, conspiratorial stuff, you would have to say. Um, enough to make Damien Duff want to leave. He was he was in as part of the management team under Stephen Kenny and he just left. He couldn't, he couldn't let it go. But now, now it's the time to let it go. <laughs> <laughs> but like only because he won't tell us, he will never elaborate on it. And uh, but there he is, just throwing little little digs at it. I would definitely make a motivational video as well. Like, you know that that would be funny and good if we knew the full content. If he ever opened up on the thing, but but he just won't. Yeah, it's it's pretty irritating, especially because he's there, he's outside, he's having digs at them. He obviously doesn't give a flying fuck. So just tell us what it was. We all want to know. <laughs> We all want to know who was involved in this video. Which actors did you get in to play the parts? <laughs> and which parts were they playing? <laughs> that would be brilliant, actually, because I heard recently, this is a GA thing, but I heard a, a GA team, Arma, got their families and friends to reenact the inches, Al Pacino inches speeches from any given Sunday. And they all had a line each. <laughs> so imagine imagine uh, some of the Irish friends and family or, or famous actors reenacting Jesus, reenacting famous battle scenes or reenacting, reenacting Michael Collins or whatever. The proclamation. <laughs> yeah, the proclamation. Anyway, the Gary Neville, oh, I'm going to give that award to Damien Duff. Just, just let us know what it is, but I still, I still hang, love Damien Hang on, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. Roddy Whelan during the Scotland game called Scotland Celtic about five times. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I saw a story on it initially and I thought, I thought he was just saying, like, you know what he They've got a lot of Celtic players, or you know, no, 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 no. <laughs> it was just calling Scotland Celtic, mate, over and over again. And that once did he get corrected? <laughs> late nomination, late winner, Ronnie Whedon. The Gary Neville Maguire would be England's biggest loss, worst take award. This one is from Jonathan Wilson on second captains. Jack Grealish, should he be playing for England in the Scotland game, he was asked. He didn't say yes or no, but he said Jack Grealish doesn't play in a Bielsa-style pressing system. 
and it's funny that you know when my pals get get the stuff into their heads like you know he's he spotted that there's a big bielsa influence on this england team because of the amount of players that have played under potch or pep <laughs> <laughs> who were influenced by bielsa this is the equivalent of you know when you, you think that uh like they're basically you know slovakia beat poland so Ireland would have beaten Poland because he drew his back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the Bielsa stamp is all over his England team, and now Jonathan Wilson is worried that that Grealish doesn't play in one of those pressing systems, so he, he might not be able to play against Scotland. <laughs> like, England's best player might not be able to play against the worst team in the group um, because he doesn't play in a pressing system. He does play in a pressing system, by the way. He plays in the team who pressed the most in the Premier League. Well, that's from the stats at halfway through the season. Let's just say that that that, that they still they still lasted the, the rest of the season. Well, Jack Grealish wasn't playing for the rest of the season. Yeah, well, exactly. Um, he's absolutely fine with pressing, but it doesn't fucking matter. He doesn't have to press when he has the ball. <laughs> you don't have to worry about. Do you have to press to get the ball back of Scotland? They'll give it back to you. <laughs> And it's 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 Grealish, yeah. Like, of course he can play, but just it, it, it is funny when I say people get someone into their head. I say like he's giving his thought, and he's he's trying to think of a reason why Southgate might not pick Grealish. But like you're overthinking this one. Like you're you're giving Southgate too much credit. Yeah, you can add Jonathan Wilson to the list of journals who don't watch football matches, and <laughs> anytime they are dedicating to watching it, they're they're not paying attention, and they're just not understanding it. And neither are particularly admirable qualities, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, Christ Almighty, he wouldn't make it into a Bielsa team. The question was, would he make it into a Gareth Southgate team? <laughs> Do me a fucking favor. Yeah. Speaking of Gareth Southgate, second nomination for the worst takeover. Uh, actually, tell me, tell me who said this. Gareth Southgate knows international football like the back of his hand <laughs> Gary Neville <laughs> Gary fucking Neville um, and that's why this award section is named after Gary Neville um, yeah I think you touched on this when he said that does England have their best the best manager to win a trophy is that what he said what did he say he says that they've got the best manager in international football to win a trophy is what he said <laughs> and everybody else just started nodding along yeah he even had Roy Keane joining in saying, yeah, he's got the under-21 experience. What are you talking about? <laughs> so this this was in the the Mika and Roy Road to Wembley uh, Sky Bet series, the five the five videos that went online. We didn't need to admit to people that we both watched it. Very good. I recommend them. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, Gary Neville drops in in the, in the fifth one and then just drops this fucking bomb out of nowhere. He doesn't need to do it. He doesn't need to do it. You say it goes on challenge. And he just says, yeah, he knows international football like the back of his hand. They have the best the best possible manager they could have. Where, where has that come from? Like, whatever about supporting him and thinking he's doing a good job and all that. Relax. Like, you know, how often do we need, like, it would be like you and I. The equivalent is us saying, well, Stephen Kenny was manager on the 21s. He, uh, in Ireland. Like, you know, anybody else would be like, yeah, but like, you know, he needs to prove himself at this level. Uh, like Brian Kerr was a brilliant, brilliant underage, probably Ireland's best ever underage manager. Didn't work out at senior level. Like well, he, he's actually got Ireland's best or highest win percentage for any international manager, but go on. Oh, well, thanks for that. 
<laughs> We're going to have production meetings from now on. <laughs> like, it's not a hard and fast rule, you know. You being an underage manager doesn't mean you won't be a good senior manager. But like, it, it, it's it's irrelevant. No, he's got a different job. He's got a different job, and it, it, you can't. <laughs> I can say with certainty, you can't use that experience to say you now have the best manager in international football. Yeah, he trusts him more than any other manager in international football to win trophies. You know who I trust more than him? Fernando Santos. Didier Deschamps. The two managers of the two best teams who both won the last two fucking tournaments. Yeah. Like, just think. Think you're... Whenever you have a thought, think it the whole way through. Just check it from end to end to see if there's any internal inconsistencies, if there's anything anybody can bring in. And if there is... Because you'll spot those straight away. I mean, you're talking about him being the best international manager. First protocol there for me. This is just for me. I'm not I'm not a Sky Sports pundit. I would think about the other international football managers that are available. <laughs> that would that would be the first thing I would do, but Gary, you know best. Uh last one. We we don't need to get into it. But people thinking Ronaldo hates fizzy drinks. Is <laughs> a worse take. Um, if no one saw his press conference, he moved the, the two bottles of Coca-Cola away from him and then he lifted up the bottle of water. About five seconds later, I think, he's definitely just moving that because he doesn't want to be giving Coca-Cola free advertising. But it's worked out perfectly for him because now people think he just has a he just has a moral stance against fizzy drinks. Won't, won't be having them. Can't, can't have them in front of him. He can't have free advertising in front of him. That's why he's moving it. I love Ronaldo, but but come on. I think he did say before as well that he doesn't his kids drinks coke, so he's not going to be as good as him at football. But this <laughs> <laughs> before or after he did the coke campaigns when he was United. <laughs> anyway, um Gary Neville wins that award. Ireland at Euro twenty twelve, just fucking go home award. God, never wanted to think about that turnout again. Matt Hummels. <laughs> uh, come on, Ronnie, we didn't give him a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, ways out there tonight by talking about the speed of the ball coming into him. And if he doesn't hit it, then I think was it was it Benzema behind him was going to put it in anyway. Like Jesus Christ, that the ball was not hitting with that much pace. It was far away from him. And he had enough time to lift his foot so high that he ended up shinning it in. Like, he, oh, he could have controlled that and taken it out. He could have controlled it and cleared it. He could have just kicked the ball away. And instead, he's decided that match because he can't get his feet right. Get your feet right or go home. <laughs> You're still talking to the whole of the Euro 2012 Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, yeah, the classic one where he, he can't get himself out of the way. There was an OG earlier in the tournament where that happened. He's hit in a chest height and he just can't adjust his body. Yeah. It's at your feet. You're a footballer. You're right to move your feet. And to, to shin it like that so badly, so needlessly. But yeah, I don't know why he was giving so many outs. And then even for the track and back after Mbappe, sure, Ronnie Whelan and George Hamilton were absolutely creaming themselves that he kept up with him. He didn't keep up with him. 
Mbappe was 15 yards behind him to start. <laughs> and then Hummels goes through Mbappe's legs to win the ball and is very, very lucky not to concede a penalty. I don't want to see a penalty given for that because it's a big moment. It's a it's a tackle and it is a moment of redemption. But let's be honest, it's a fucking foil. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Mbappe is running around Hummels, like, Hummels can run diagonally as the bird flies. Mbappe has to go around him <laughs> to get through. He's, he's also running longer, never mind from further back. Yeah, being embarrassed by a centre forward when you're a centre half doesn't redeem you from scoring an OG earlier in the match. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and like, do you know what? That, that, that was just especially annoying because, again, it decided a match that... It was a big match and it was a match that Germany were, were a better team in. Like... France basically sacrificed 85 minutes of that match so they could score the Benzema goal that was ended up ruled offside. They set up this way so, so Mbappe could get through and set up Benzema. <laughs> it's, it's like playing FIFA against somebody you're way better than. And you just you know, you just sacrifice. Like, you, know, you don't need to, to do everything right. You're going to just try and score a volley or you're going to try and play long balls into the air and just try and annoy him by playing a Tony Pulis style system. You know, like <laughs> it, it's like you just gave up the rest of the game and that's what France did tonight. They gave up the they gave up the game so they could play play one counter attack and it ended up being ruled offside. And and this is the thing that uh, a lot of people don't realize about France. They're they're a really functional team that can just destroy teams as well because they can just be suckered in and then caught out. I mean Griezmann, Benzema and Mbappe will score goals against you if you're not if you're not clued in. But France are like that. Paul Pogba, the way he plays for France is completely different, as in he actually plays for France, to how he uh, purportedly plays for Man United. He's, he's, he sits in tight, but he's just capable of brilliant moments in, and that's how France play football. And a lot of people have missed that. And that's one of the reasons why I, for one, think that Didier Deschamps is probably a better tournament manager yeah. than Gareth because he has managed to convince all these incredibly gifted, the most gifted international squad that I can remember, because they've just got an option in every position, and a second option at every position, sorry. And he's convinced them to play this really prosaic, paint-by-numbers style of football. In fairness to Gary Neville, he said... That Gareth Southgate knows international football like the back of his hand. Maybe Gareth Southgate doesn't have a fucking clue what the back of his hand looks like. <laughs> Maybe that was accurate. Like, who does know what the back of the hand looks like? Maybe Deschamps knows way better what the back of his hand looks like. Like, I trust that he does. Yeah, as do I, Conan. As do I. <laughs> Second nomination for the Go Home Award, Alvaro Morata. And obviously he's going to be the winner as well, but I've got a third nomination. Like Mar- Maratha, what a disgrace he is! <laughs> Fuck me. And <laughs> <laughs> um, the the most the thing that annoyed me most about that game was that had Maratta scored those chances, the game would have become a bit more watchable because yeah. Sweden were fucking pathetic. The only thing more pathetic in Sweden were Maratta's ch- chances that he missed. <laughs> the, the the way he struck both of those as yeah. well, just so lacking in conviction, and hit them both completely differently. One he tried to bend and just hit completely straight, and one he just pulls from about twenty-five yards out, and the shot's not really on. He can't. That angle isn't there. The yeah. defender's in front of him. He can't get the near post. What the fuck are you doing? 
if you hit that on target where you're trying to hit it, you're hitting the defender. Yeah. So don't fucking hit it. I mean, this guy is such a chancer. He's got the most <laughs> ridiculous career I've ever seen for somebody who is so, so limited. You've Juventus, Juventus signed him for 20 million off the back of his stunning 11 goals in 50 odd games for Real Madrid at the start of his career. Christ. And he carried that level of consistency straight into his Juventus career. <laughs> Scored 27 goals in 93 games for them, which obviously forced Real Madrid to pay 30 million to get him back. They couldn't turn that down. <laughs> like he has a half decent season for Real Madrid. Chelsea shit the bed and lumped 60 million on him. But that's not the most surprising thing. After a season and a half of Murata nonsense, Atletico Madrid joined the party and gave Chelsea their fucking money back. And then he ends up getting replaced almost immediately by, by Costa at Atletico Madrid. So Juventus come back in from like this, this, this is baffling stuff. This lad has racked up nearly 200 million in transfer fees. For some of the biggest clubs in world football, and he is so shite. <laughs> he is the football equivalent of a a CV merchant, basically. You know these people that that are that are crap at their jobs, but because they got a good job, then they can get another good job because it looks good in their CV. And then suddenly they've doubled the amount of good jobs they have on their CV, and you're never getting off that train. <laughs> like everybody's going to want a piece of it. It's like. Jesus, you work there and there. Like, this boy must know what he's doing. So that, that's when Atletico come in then as well. It's it's crazy. And like like I say, you just, like, once you're on, you're on. And you're not coming off. Like, the only thing less convincing than Alvaro Morata's finishing is his fucking haircut. I mean, is that a short back and sides or not, pal? <laughs> fucking finish the job. Uh, last nomination for the Go Home Award, Scotland. The, the, the poor fuckers, like, it couldn't have been worse for them. Like, this, I was just thinking about it. Like, you know, obviously, it was great for them to qualify. Big build-up, 23 years, I think. Um, So exciting. The fans got back just in time. They have a fucking home game. But they're playing the worst team in the group first. And they lose 2-0. Not even just lose 1-0. They lose 2-0. And their tournament's all but over now. Like, you know, remember Ireland... Ireland drew with Sweden so they were playing probably like Ireland were in a group of Belgium and Italy and Sweden in 2016 so they were playing the worst team that they could have played first but they drew at least we kept everything live and, and because they got hammered by Belgium they needed a big result and this is now where where Scotland are at but they're going to need more than a big result because they got no points and minus two goal difference and one of the results need to come against England or Croatia who aren't great in fairness but but gee, Scotland are bad, and like that was a terrible result. And it looks like they're, it looks like they might as well go home. Yeah, it's it's bad. It doesn't. It's not good losing two 0 to Czech Republic in the first game of the tournament. Whoa, I, yeah, you're right. Ireland drew with Sweden, which wasn't a great result either, because you'd want to be doing what Czech Republic did and get the get the points on the board. But all that meant was that Ireland had to match. At worst, Sweden's results against against yeah. the same two brilliant teams, and it's so easy to qualify from these groups as well. If you get one result, you're you're nearly through. Yeah, like you've got a really really good chance. Like Czech Republic have a really good chance now of just being in the last sixteen, no matter yeah. what happens to them in the next two games. But and this is the thing, and it comes back to the start. 
Croatia aren't very fucking good either. <laughs> no, they're not. So like if Scotland can just lift it and pull some sort of a performance out of themselves, you never know. It, you know, can they just match them for hunger? Can they have an Irish type performance? Certainly an old style Ireland anyway under the last couple of managers. Can they can they get that for one big game at the end of the group? I don't know. I don't think they can. I don't think they have the players. Shea Adams came on, he looked he looked lively, but you know, he's Jay Adams. He's he's not gonna he's not gonna win you any games at the Euros. No. Um, but Murata is winning that award. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Our old favourite is not going anywhere. Does Paul Pogba wear Bertie T pajamas? <laughs> I, I was watching him today going, oh my god, he he is Bertie T. <laughs> you know, he's just he has fun out there. He's uh he plays with abandon, doesn't care about the consequences, especially when he has the ball. And it's like for Pogba, it's it's like he wants to be stronger than people, or he wants to just do a piece of skill, and often he'll just scoop the ball away from himself towards nobody and yeah, it's like this this guy this guy wants to be Bertrand Trorori. That that moment out in the right wing just sums up everything I've ever seen about Paul Pogba. And it's it is much rarer that you see it for France, but where he skins Tony Cruz and then comes back inside to do it again <laughs> and falls on his face. <laughs> while Tony Cruz is just playing football, yeah. running up the pitch, trying to score for his fucking country. Paul Pogba's crawling across the turf. <laughs> realizing that he's made a tit of himself but smiling and giving the thumbs up pretending that he doesn't care <laughs> we know you care Paul <laughs> last one what would Sam Allardyce's England team be today <laughs> so I'm going to go through I've got, I've got it written down here what I what I think it would be and you can just tell me if, if it's bollocks or not there's a big question to start off with is Joe Hart still playing For this tournament, no how, almost certainly. Honestly, that's what I'm thinking. Like he's 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 their strongest keeper anyway, um, and he's got tournament no how. He's got experience, <laughs> and he's got big. Co- he's he's with Spurs. Haven't been with Man City. Sam Allardyce would love that shit. Like I've got a question mark beside Hart. I think Nick Pope might be the one playing. And to be honest, I don't think people would be too upset about that. English no, no. fans. I I think I think we're we're stretching the bounds of credibility by saying that we think that. The Sam Allardyce would still be picking Joe Hart. <laughs> Nick Pope, then we're going Nick Pope. So it's a good start for him. He's one up on Southgate. Um, he's got Kyle Walker at right back. He'll play him. He'll play Stones. He played Stones in his only only England game. Another question, and this is this is this is more genuine than Joe Hart. Is Gary Cahill still playing? Gary Cahill probably is still playing. Yeah, I think I, I think he might now. McGuire, he might he might end up taking a fancy from McGuire. Um, he could go five at the back, and when he get to that, but but there's a real qu- I think Gary Cahill might still be playing in this team with all the experience, and he's he's playing thirty odd Premier League games still every season. I think he'd definitely be in the squad, and because Maguire is injured, there's a really good chance he, like he's not picking he's not picking Mings or Cody. No, he's definitely not picking those two. I at left back, he's got. I'm trying to figure out what he would do here, right? But he's he's either got Ashley Young at left back, <laughs> or he's 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 done something mad. He's got James Tarkowski, and he, he 
and and he's, he's over like he thinks this is very clever. This this is why like so Tarkovsky being left back is why Lalana is still in the team <laughs> because Lalana can do the work to turn that into a back five, so he can become a wing back. Tarkovsky, Cahill, and Stones can be the back three, and it become it can become a a five at the back whenever he needed and Tarkovsky will just be he'll, he'll have some bullshit reason about Mbappe or Griezmann or somebody like that need need minding so Tarkovsky's the best one-on-one defender and he needs to be out there um, <laughs> I, I honestly I honestly think that's the way it could go <laughs> you think he's going to play Lalana at L- left wing back right, Lalana the, the player who saved him in that game in Bulgaria was it 95th minute Slovenia 95th minute goal from Lalana. I think he's never yeah. he's never going to forget that. Not not as an auxiliary left back though. <laughs> no, no, no. But like that's that's their defensive shape. So Lalana's going to do the work to get in there. But basically I've I've got a I've got a four three three here. Lalana is free most of the time, but that four three three turns into a five three two. Free free to drop back into left back whenever he wants. <laughs> So I'll give you the the top three. Then so it's Lalana, he'll, he'll he'll stick with Kane and he'll stick with Sterling. And then Kane and Sterling are then their two free. He thinks he's being adventurous by saying, "Well, those two don't have to do any defending," but he's made mm. Lalana go left back. Yeah, he's an innovator, like he always <laughs> says himself. <laughs> so I had I had Declan Rice down as a certainty, and then I realized if Sam Allardyce was still in charge, Declan Rice would still be playing for Ireland. <laughs> So in fairness to Gareth Southgate, like he went out of his way. It's fucking annoying from an Irish point of view, but he went out of his way and, and coaxed Declan Rice before he even took Declan Rice into the squad. And he told him, like, you know, no, no, we're keeping an eye on you. Sam Rice isn't doing that shit. Like he's got Eric Dyer. <laughs> so he's got a midfield three of Dyer, Henderson, and because he can't pick Rice, he's gone with Ward Price for the for the set piece expertise. Jeez, that is fucking dire, isn't it? <laughs> but like, but you know what I mean now? So we've got Walker, Stones, Cahill and Tarkowski. That's their back four. They've got Henderson, Ward, Price and Dyer. Sorry, and... when you say, do you know what I mean here? Are you are you saying, do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm building something here. This is this is good. <laughs> or are you, asking, are you asking me, can I follow this formation? <laughs> <laughs> A bit of both, because I'm actually starting to talk myself into it. <laughs> and we've got Lalana, Sterling, and Kane up top, but then Lalana drops back. Tarkowski pushes in. You've got a back five of Walker, Stones, Cahill, Tarkowski, Lalana, and then you've got the the middle three: Henderson, Dyer, Ward, Price with a bit of freedom, and Sterling and Kane with a bit of freedom. It's, it's it's an agile formation, in fairness. It is. I know what I would be targeting if I was if I was the opposition manager. What's that? I would be pulling the world class Perisic straight over to the right wing. I'm going <laughs> right at that Tarkovsky Lalana axis. <laughs> but you see, that's what me and Big Sam are worried about. That's why we set up this way. <laughs> yeah, Young would definitely be in the squad. And uh and Young just linked with Aston Villas today. Jesus, I called that. I wish I had said it on a podcast, but I text you ages ago about it. We talked about needing the leader. And we need left-back cover. We don't need a left-back. We've got Matt Target. And we need wide players, extra wide options. Actually, Young, tick, tick, tick. Serie A title, Premier League title, big club experience, big managers, Jose Mourinho, Louis van Gaal, Antonio Conte. He's coming with great experience. Yeah, I think Ashley Young has been one of the most underrated players in world football for the last eight years. And not just because... I think he's been underrated because he's been fucking derided as well by Man United fans. I remember that season 
Like they they hounded him out of the club for the yeah. last three years. They didn't want anything to do with him. This was a real jinky, brilliant, creative winger who was being asked to play at left back, and he was doing it well, admirably, without complaining. In fact, he was doing it so well that he was playing for England at left back, and then he gets transferred to the most offensive league in Europe and continues to play left back. But Man United fans could just see that he wasn't a left back five years ago. And so they just thought that that was emblematic of the need to replace Edward Ward because he wasn't wasn't filling in for Ashley. He wasn't getting rid of Ashley Young. Ashley Young was fucking brilliant for Man United. I would definitely take him. I think, I know he's not the profile. I know he's a very, very short-term signing, but I'm, I'm up for short-term signings now as well. Like, let's not forget this is the big year. We've, we, we've got Jack Grealish. We've got one of the best players in the world who's going to be there again for another year. How, how much longer he'll be there depends on Villa's progress, but it needs to be sharper, bigger progress again this year. And like, Buendia is a great signing. I, I would love to see Ward Price there. I think dropping somebody like Ashley Young in there, like a a captain, a winner, great experience, and he can play in those positions that we need filled, um, and not play every game. Obviously, like I, I think he's just a a perfect sign. And anything, to be honest, anything that helps push forward this year, I, I'm I'm all ears. I'll I'll talk about it. Yeah, and like Villa's squad needs to be fleshed out. We know that. We've talked about that before. We shouldn't just be turning our nose up at players. <laughs> Just because we think we need players in all our positions. We need players in every position. Villa could sign another 11 players. The squad is so threadbare. And Ashley Young is a, is a fine one to add to the mix. Sorry for any non-Villa fans who came to listen to some Euro podcast. And I snuck that in at the end. But <laughs> thanks for joining us. Uh, please do share it on. We're going to be going throughout the tournament. We'll be going again on Friday night. So we will see you then. Enjoy the competition. That wind is calling my name And I won't wait Or I'll never get on Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 